Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're very welcome. I'm delighted to say I'm sitting down for a chat with Alan Quinlan about his life and times, former Munster player, Irish international, as you know. It was in the Munster jersey where his career hit the ultimate heights, in particular two Heineken Cups, over 200 appearances between 1996 and 2011. And he made his Ireland debut in 99. He won the last of his 27 caps in 2008. And Alan was at the 99, the 03 and the infamous 07 World Cups. He retired from the game 10 years ago this year and has since become a one-man media empire. Alan Quinlan, you're very welcome. Thanks, Joel. We Delighted can't turn on the television without seeing you the last 10 years. Yeah, I thought my uh, the de desire for anyone to interview me was over with, but um, I'm glad to be here to have a chat. I think it recounts some old memories and, and good days, I think. Uh, sometimes I, I, I think, where is the time gone? Um, when I was playing, I looked at guys who were retired numbers of years and in all different types of sport and, and thought that that won't be me for a long, long time. And it just kind of creeps up on you and time flies, unfortunately. Um, I miss it. I miss, um, I miss being part of a group um, and, and the success and the whole journey was, was so many positives, some negatives I'm sure we'll talk about, but um, it was an incredible journey to be on as well. And how did you find that adjustment to civilian life after retirement? Um, not, not bad. I think I'd seen, I kind of dreaded it in the, the last couple of years of, of, of my Munster career, you know, getting a one-year contract rolled over and stuff like that. And, and right to the end, I think, what am I going to do and where is this going to take me? And um, I was relaxed about having a plan because I think Deep down, I always think things will fall into place and, and I don't have to jump straight into something. And um, it does creep up in you, you know, for sports people, the retirement situation. And um, nowadays, lots of players have qualifications. And I was a mechanic before I started playing rugby. I wasn't, with no disrespect to any mechanics out there, I wasn't planning on putting back on the overalls if I could. But I was definitely going to take a year or two just to see maybe dip my toe in, in, in the coaching um, the coaching spectrum, if you like, and see what that was like. Um, but the media stuff just kind of happened and started, and I enjoyed that, and, and it, gave me, it kept me involved in the game to a certain point. Mm. So you were considering coaching? Yeah, not as a head coach. I don't think, I, I like, obviously, when, not professionally as a head coach, I wasn't looking that I was going to be, be make a career out of coaching. I was quite relaxed about where it would go and I didn't. I never really put in long-term plans anyway. Mm. Um, I wasn't great at that. Um, of course, the future always concerned me and I worried about it a lot, even when I was in my playing careers, career. But um, 
I love coaching forwards and lineouts and stuff like that. And I did some club coaching. I helped out some my junior club in Tipperary, Clan William, over the years. I done a bit of coaching in Tormund when I was playing with Munster in Limerick. Um, did some school stuff. So I enjoyed the buzz out of it, um, definitely. But so I wasn't really sure where I was going to go. I was definitely, I definitely want to just take a little bit of time out and have a breather because it's fairly consuming when you're in that that bubble of, of professional sport where week on week you're you're under pressure to deliver a performance. Um, it's a great couple of days if you win a match. It's a tough couple of days if you lose a game and it's a bit of a roller coaster, the ups and downs, the adrenaline rushes, all that kind of stuff. So I really wanted to kind of have a, a bit of a breather afterwards for a little while. So without that adrenaline, life must be a touch slower, less of a roller coaster, a bit duller. Is that too strong a word? It's different, yeah. Um, I think you, and I, again, when you, I read lots of autobiographies and, and listened to lots of former sports people in all sports, and nothing replaces that adrenaline rush that you get running out in front of 80,000 people and the buzz of the dressing room, the nerves beforehand, even though <laughs> they can be daunting at times, and uh, the regrets afterwards when you lose a game, should you have done something different, and the disappointments, that those highs and lows, but. That adrenaline rush running out in a, in a packed stadium in a f European final or running out for um, playing for your country, is, is it's hard to replicate that. And I always said this to people when, when my son was born and I held him in my arms, I felt that was my European Cup, that was my World Cup, that was, it was just, the, he was like the trophy, if you like, and um, that was the only thing that could replicate that kind of sport is different isn't it than life you know we all get have highs and lows in our career and through marriage and through kids being born and all that kind of stuff sport is kind of it is a bit different but that kind of feeling of joy and happiness that you can get from from sport as i said you can get the disappointment and the lows as well it's hard to replicate that when you're when you're in normal life um, because it's not everybody gets those opportunities to well, I think of the European Cup finals running out in Cardiff um, with 80,000 people and the streets being packed you just there's an adrenaline rush to that that there's a responsibility with it of course but a great responsibility because that's where you want to be and you want to go into a packed stadium and perform and and try and play well and try and do well which for your team and stuff like that and there is a serious adrenaline rush to that and an excitement of doing with a group of guys. Individual sport is probably different, I'm sure. Um, so does, it, does Anton replicate that now? No, it doesn't. Uh, hopefully my son can come through and I can get a bit of a, a buzz from him playing, playing, not in front of big crowds, but just playing sport. I do get it already when I see him playing, okay. playing sport. If that's what you miss, what don't you miss about rugby? Um, it sounds like a bit of a contradiction, but the pressure. I think that pressure and, and how we deal with pressure in life kind of defines how we feel and our mood and everything. Um, we need a certain amount of pressure to stimulate us and to, to make us get up and move and train and go to work. In everyday life, we need, we need that kind of a little bit of anxiety or stress, I think. Um, was there some, too much of it in rugby? Sometimes then? with me, because of my personality, I think, I would have suffered probably with anxiety more than, than some of my teammates. Mm. I looked at some of the guys in the dressing room and totally laid back and relaxed. And other guys were marching around the place. Um, 
you know, I, I, I probably was pretty nervous, not really nervous about the task in hand, but nervous about things going wrong for me, mm. which was probably a little bit of a negative voice within me who, I don't know what, you know, maybe that was in me naturally, that I was nervous that I could mess up and things could go wrong for me. And then the high of me playing well, scoring a try, the team winning, that's it's just incredible. Mm. And then the law of giving away a couple of penalties and us losing a game and me blaming myself. I found the balance of that difficult, so I don't miss that, um, which sounds crazy because you're saying I love the adrenaline rush and I love the excitement, I love the challenge. And I never felt daunted about playing against any individual or any team. I just felt I was playing against myself mm. at times and worried that what the what ifs, what if this goes wrong, what if that goes wrong. So that was that was always a challenge for me. And um, I always think back that if I didn't have that, could I have been better? Would I be more relaxed? Would I come back a little bit from that that line that sometimes I crossed where I needed to be so revved up uh, and determined to win? Um, that maybe I would have been more relaxed around that line and maybe able to control it, you know. Mm. Which of your teammates have stayed close friends 10 years on? Um, loads of them, to be honest. I think um, who would I keep in touch with most? Probably Ronan. Um, we chat, you know, a couple of times a week, every week, I think. and. Um, about rugby, about life? About everything, yeah. Just we, we stay in touch. Mike Prendergast is another one. I think they're in France, so the boys would ring, ring a lot to know what the news is at home. Whereas someone like, you know, I talk to Paul a lot. I'd be very close to Paul, David Wallace, Marcus Horn. Um, the guys we kind of started out with, Mick Galway, who would have been our spiritual leader, if you like, when a lot of us came into Munster in 96, 97. Uh, Peter Clossy. Um, John Hayes is someone I wouldn't speak to as much because John won't pick up the phone or he won't ring you <laughs> and he doesn't want to go anywhere. He just wants to stay at home on the farm. Mm. But John and myself are as close as Ronan and myself, if you know what I mean. Um, so I don't, we don't get to see each other as often. You know, the Cork boys and Dunica and Anthony Horgan and Strings and all these guys uh, that we played with. Um, you know, there's, 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 there's a bond there that's kind of gripped us, but yeah. I suppose Roger's the one I'd speak to most, and Paul probably. Did you and Roger room together at times? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. we roomed together a lot with you, Monster and. Um, you would strike me as two um, complex fellas, messers as well, <laughs> but I'd say there were some deep enough conversations stretched out in the bed at times. Yeah, probably. We just, um, I think we probably didn't hit it off the best in, our, in the start of our Monster careers. What did because, you do? Well, there was a rivalry between Shannon. Gary Owen and Limerick, yeah. that was massive, not so much young Munsters. Um, there was a rivalry there, but there was a bit of a divide between the Shannon and Gary Owen guys in Limerick, and then Limerick against Cork, and we played against each other in the All-Ireland League a lot, Cork Con, Shannon, young Munsters, Gary Owen, and so we came together then as a group, so we, there was, we were still a bit sketchy with each other yeah. and obviously we went out and played and we started to go, get to know each other over the years and um, so at the start Rog was quite lippy and and if we Shannon played Corcon and stuff I'd be trying to run after him and he'd be giving me a bit of lip and and then we we went with Munster and um, you know we would have played with Munster back then we played with our clubs a fair bit and then came in and played provincial games and European games um, so 
there was a bit of separation a lot. It was quite regular. And um, we were still very, very loyal and committed to our clubs. You know, Shannon did so much for me. Mm. And there were so many of us Shannon guys in the Munster squad and the Cork Con lads were the same. So there's still a little bit of be careful of those, you don't tell them too much, you know, that kind of scenario. And then obviously we were kind of taken from our clubs and we, we were more or less playing in the, when the Celtic League started and Europe and we were gone, gone from the clubs. And then we kind of probably, that bond became much tighter as regards um, not that it wasn't tight, but we came to know each other, meeting each other every day of the week, at training and stuff like that. And how would you describe the Ronan that you know? Um, I always look at people and I think, what kind of heart do they have and how loyal are they? And um, it doesn't mean that any of the other guys are not like that, but Rog and myself seem to have a connection that way. Um, and I found him a great sounding board to have a chat with. Of course, Paul as well, because Paul, these guys are captains and leaders, and you know they they played in British and Irish lines, multiple tours, and they're they're very strong characters. So I would have been able to chat to so many of my monster teammates, but just because I roomed at Rog a lot and we got on with it well with each other, and um, I was able to have conversations with him. So he was very loyal to me and has a massive heart. Mm. You know, really kind and generous with his time and his support. But I was just to say, at the start, we didn't hit it off that well. We had a Christmas party in Cork one time and I had these lovely white pair of jeans and I was all dolled up for the party and we went out to Middleton and we had this court session. And I didn't really know Rog as well. I think it was 97, 98, as well as obviously I got to know him and uh, we were having this party and we had to do certain things in, in the court session. and. Uh, the floor got quite wet and mucky in the shed we were drinking in and um, so someone was mopping it up and at one stage he got the mop and got a load of muck and water and beer and kind of destroyed my pants with it and so I wanted to give him a few a few slaps for that and there was a little bit of a standoff and mm. uh, so we didn't start off the best and um, mm. but that obviously changed as the years went on. Paul O'Connell can be uh, drastically unfairly pigeonholed as the you better put the fear of God into those Englishmen out there and the rah, 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 bang the table. And you meet him in person. And obviously I don't know him a billionth as well as you, but there's a, often a quietness about him, a humility about him. Uh, probably quite different to the Superman perception. Yeah, he's, he's Paul, Paul can, um, he's great fun away from, he, he becomes very programmed in the system, if you like, the job to be done. Uh, leading a team, he does a lot of that stuff naturally. And you take him away from that, and he's such, he's great crack, he's fun, he's brilliant on the nights out, um, and he's very relaxed. And I suppose that tension and that kind of drive and determination up here makes him what he is. It's the way he does it, and it's what's made him become a great captain, a great leader, a great teammate. Again, a very loyal person who would stand with you in anything, not just in the rugby field, in, in your life. And he's been brilliant to me over the years as well. As has so many of the guys as well. Mick Galway would have, right at the start of my career, helped me so much and to this day. And that's what I love about all my former teammates. I probably have driven them mad over the years, on the pitch more than off the pitch, because I was much more relaxed away from, from that environment myself. And, you know, so I would be very close to Paul as well, and he would be um, someone who would 
I would have no hesitation asking for some help or support. And there is a perception that he is this fear of God, as you say, uh, type person, which he is. And, and, and that's just demanding high standards. And he's an ability to command people mm. and inspire people and make people believe, um, which, which was brilliant. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Ireland career. So debut in 99, last cap in 08, 27 caps. In the main, Eddie O'Sullivan was your coach across your Irish career. Does 27 caps rankle with you? Do you feel that should be more? Yeah, without, I think without sounding... Um cocky about it. I think um, there's various different reasons. Um, luck, injuries, discipline, um, confidence, self-belief, all that kind of stuff. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of variables in there as to why I don't have more. I think without, you know, um, sounding disrespectful, I, I, I really feel that if I had my time back again, and I could look back and say, well, I've 60 or 70 caps. That would sit better with me. Because um, mm. I got called into an Irish squad in 1998, and I finished my Ireland career in um, 2008. So it was 10 years there. and um, It's not a, a brilliant return for those number of years because, as I said, for various different reasons, a couple of the injuries were set me back 12, 18 months each time, my knee, my shoulder. Um, the confidence and self-belief. I always felt so much more confident in the Munster environment than I did when I went up with Ireland because I was nervous. And that was maybe down to my own temperament and that anxiety that I mentioned. I was just a bit more nervous about messing up there. Um, in Munster, I was more confident. I felt more relaxed that I could play and that I could um, do something special on the field and I could maximise my talents and my ability to, you know, make a, a brilliant pass or, or offload or... And, and sometimes when I went into Ireland, I, I felt, you know, obviously there was a structure and a game plan, which is very important as well. And I just felt nervous there, you know, at times. And I never got to a point... I think the only point I got was, um, was in 2003 at the World Cup, where I felt I was the fittest I ever was. I felt I was uh, the quickest I ever was. I was probably the most confident I ever was in an Ireland group. Everybody was fit. There was no injuries. There was no excuse that I'm in the team because there's two back rows injured. Everybody was fit and available. And that World Cup, um, when you think David Wallace didn't get picked in the World Cup in, in 2003, he was a British and Irish line in, in mm. 2001. So here I am going to a World Cup in 03, and I think, yeah, I think I'm nearly ready now. 
I think this is it. I've got to maximise my talent because I've been involved in squads for the previous four or five years and, and that stuff affected me. And 03 then I said, right, I'm ready. I'm picked against Argentina and, you know, this is, I'm here. This is where I, I deserve to be. And hopefully now I can go on and run and get 30 or 40 caps and, 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 and perform to my ability here. Mm. And then injury happens, that try against Argentina, yeah. and that's a bit of a theme. I mean, so 0-1, your third cap against France, you're in a very good place, and then foot and mouth happens. Such a random thing to interrupt your momentum and you don't quite get it back when September, October comes around. 0-3, the World Cup you mentioned, score that try against Argentina and do your shoulder. And then even 0-5-0-6 territory, you're in really good shape again, going well, and you blow your knee out and you lose a year. So you do need luck in life as well, but it's interesting what you say about your mindset. I'm surprised that somewhere you know, four, five, six years into being around Irish camp, you didn't flourish yeah. and find it easier. Was there a comfort maybe in being on the bench and not having all the weight of it on you? Is it a like, is it a million people watching at home? Is that, that what kind of got to you? A little bit. No, I think it was just um, maybe, um, I don't know why that I didn't get to that level where I just felt when I played for Munster that I could, it just felt different and I felt nervous because obviously you're playing with guys that you're not familiar with and you meet them for certain blocks during the year and and more experienced guys. I just got daunted a little bit by it at times. But and that it, stayed with you? It stayed with me but up to 03 so it was a previous five, it was five year block there from 98 when you get called into a squad first and I kind of just started out a year, year and a half with Munster and I was called into an Irish squad and I could have played more games. I made my debut in '99. I kind of drifted in and out of the squad, lots of squads there, and I just never grasped hold of it because right. of that. I think. And um, but then in '03, obviously, I got to the point where, um, you know, I felt comfortable. I felt people f felt I was a good player and that I could really add something. That was the first time I felt that. And you know, I felt great going into that, that Argentina game in '03, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna. And I actually watched back the game only, only a couple of months ago for the first time in, oh, how long is that, 17 years. I actually only watched it back a few months ago because I was doing, um, looking back in it with Keith Wood for, for World Rugby. And um, I had loads of involvements those first 20 minutes. I won lineouts, I made carries, a couple of offloads, tackles. And I, got, I was looking at envy there saying, God, that was it, that's where I wanted to be. And that's, that's what I... I regret that, that I didn't see more of that and then you know obviously I scored a try and injured my shoulder, dislocated it and it's kind of gone, I'm gone backwards now, not just physically but a bit mentally. Okay. You know I came back into an Ireland squad seven or eight months later um, to tour South Africa but after that World Cup the Ireland came back and, and all the guys I played with the World Cup are winning a triple crown for the first time in 20 years and I'm not there mm. so I missed that opportunity and um, I went on tour then to South Africa, I came on in the two tests in South Africa. My shoulder was, wasn't in the best shape, you know, but Eddie picked me on the tour and I thought, God, I'm, I'm, he still you know, wants me involved and, and hopefully things can get better, more strength, more power, but I still didn't feel back to the physical way I felt before the World Cup. And, um, and can I ask you there, because you said an interesting thing that uh, you weren't necessarily a game plan player. Do you feel Eddie O'Sullivan trusted you? What was your relationship like with Eddie? Um, my relationship was patchy at times. I probably frustrated and I understand why because I, I, I found it hard to stick to a game plan, a structure, be in your pod here, 
make the carry here, clean out that ruck, st stick with the group of guys you're with when you're trying to have. Mm. And Eddie was very, very intelligent in the game plans. He was trying to bring in the way he was trying to change the game, the way Ireland played, mm. where we were trying to play a wide, wide game and just resource the ball well and had the tight forwards in the middle of the field and maybe loose, two loose forwards on either side with a, a couple of backs. And so you were kind of in pods and there was designated ball carriers and all that kind of stuff. Um, I found it hard to Why? designated ball carrier when I just wanted to kind of run in behind a pod and yeah. pop up somewhere and make a line break and I had, I had the ability to do that. So obviously there's a balance between that and I would say, well, of course, you've got to stick to a structure and a plan, but don't hold someone back who's maybe this is their natural thing to do and maybe concentration as well So right. at times. So I didn't have an issue when I kind of realised, I, I kind of knew, so I had to change a bit and I did change and that's when Eddie started to kind of see that potential of the natural ability if after one or two phases at that stage in rugby mm. and it's the same today after you need a bit of structure starting out for a couple of phases and then someone makes a line break, well you play rugby, it's game on. and. Um, I love that scenario where it's unstructured and stuff like that. But I got better at probably buying into the structure and stuff. So I probably frustrated Eddie. And so we didn't really have much of a relationship. We didn't talk a lot. And, um, but after I scored a try in 03, and I probably had proved a point in the build-up to that World Cup, I made it difficult for him not to pick me. Mm. But the relationship still wasn't a close one that where we would have any sort of conversations. Nyla Donovan was the forwards coach. And he was my original coach and Shannon so I was very close to Niall and he would have been the kind of buffer between us and that was fine I just had to accept that and we got on with it but after the World Cup in 03 it, it seemed to kind of just be, come to a point where we were you know that was over that tension was gone. Hmm. How live was the Munster-Leinster thing in Ireland camp? Um, yeah it was apparent it was there um, and it wasn't just the Munster lads who, kind of, of course, it was the Leinster fellas as well. And we were all guilty of probably being... It was strange because people often ask me, was there tension there? There was never any sort of tension. But I don't think... The way I think about it and, you know, people often reflect and ask about the Rob Carney intervention in, in, in 09, 08, 09, that famous thing in chat in Enfield. And I always think that there was never this situation where Munster Leinster guys didn't get on, but we didn't make the extra effort. Mm. So can I ask, uh, as an example, if you came down for breakfast in the morning at the hotel, was there pretty discernibly Leinster table, Munster table? Not really. There be, would have been not 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 at food. No, no, not at the at, okay. the, at the dinner table. So it wasn't or the a breakfast chronic. table. No, it wasn't a no, it wasn't a chronic problem. If there was a night out, if we were away on tour, if we were away. Um, if we were away in pre-season camps or, or tours or something like that and there was a few sneaky points or someone was gone out somewhere, you could invariably get a couple of the Leinster fellas beside the hotel being in having a few beers there and the Munster grads are heading downtown somewhere. And it just happened that way that at times, I remember we went to Lanzarote on a, on a, a training camp one time and there was a call amongst the whole group that we were going to go for a few pints. We had a hard week's training. There was going to be a few drinks this Friday night uh, towards the end of the week and that there'd be taxis downstairs and who was coming and the board was spread. And we went down there and there was seven Munster guys and Mallow Kelly. <laughs> and uh, so we went off into Lanzarote and into the town, Porto del Carmen, I think it was. And uh, 
we had a few drinks and you try and get Mal uh, and to move down it. to move down to Limerick. Did yeah, you? it never even came. Mal did, you know, he just arrived on and that was it. And and that's not saying that the Leinster guys I, I just I just think there was a bit of a gap there that and I think after 09 and probably in modern day the, the rivalry was so great that it was it was understandable. Mm. And then we started winning some stuff, uh, the European in you know, 06 and 08, and I probably widened the gap a little bit and made, made there be a little bit more tension there. Um, and then Leinster have obviously gone on and been incredibly successful. And I think the whole thing is, 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 is much more relaxed nowadays because... Um, you know, a lot of the times the top, uh, the full-strength teams are not picked in these provincial derbies. Back then, um, an inter-pro match meant the world to you, you know, yes. and meant the world to Leinster and Munster. So I think after 09, it was just decided that, and his criticism at the time, Rob Carney's, was that what he could see was the Munster guys play with more togetherness, more passion at times with Munster than they show mm. when they're in Ireland camp. So... It was taken a little bit strangely at the start and then, you know, the decision was made that, look, maybe we do need to make an effort and, and you know, I wasn't a regular starter in Ireland then, so it didn't really affect me as much, but I think people were more of a conscious effort that you don't have to be best friends with guys, but your teammates and you've got to get closer and understand each other more and, 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 and maybe take out some of that niggle that, that happened. Because you can imagine, Joe, if you're... If Shane Jennings and I are going head to head in a Munster Leinster game on Saturday, and we're, it's it's the gloves are off, and we're going full tilt, and there's a few verbals, and there's, and then you come in on Sunday night, and you're you're put rooming together, it, there's going to be it's going to be strange, and that's, so maybe some of the stuff, the provincial stuff, came into Ireland camp mentally and guys, but there was, I never saw an incident in training where someone a Leinster player didn't pass to a Munster guy or yeah. or somebody didn't try. Yeah. to do their best for the team, which which I was comfortable with as long as that happened, that everybody was on the same page. But to make more of a conscious effort just to 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 understand each other and, and be closer, I think. And that made a difference for Ireland um, after that Rob Kearney mm. conversation because they won a Grand Slam. You were in the room when Kearney said that, were you? Yeah, I was, yeah. And did you think, yeah, fair enough? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. And um, I always admired in, in any dressing room people standing up or... You know, I was involved in so many meetings where the non-traditional person would stand up and challenge the room and say, I'm not happy with this. Mm. I admire people for doing that. And I admired him for doing it. Um, he challenged a lot of senior people. Like, you know, there was a lot of guys in there who were regulars in the, uh, on the Irish team. And, and it was a big statement to make. I think if a Munster player stood up and said it to that the Leinster fellas don't try as hard as... As, as, the, as they do when they play for Leinster, um, it might have been viewed strangely as well by the Leinster guys. So um, you could probably hear a pin drop after it was said. <laughs> um, but I, I, I admired him and I thought, yeah, there's something in this. And look, rather than look at the negative side of it and take offence, you know, and Declan Kidney did a great job because he more or less said, right, you can sort this out yourself and come back and let us know what you think of the whole thing. And... And it was decided that look, that tension is there and that rivalry is important, but maybe we need to, to just make more of a conscious effort to get to know each other better. World Cup 2007. This is the culmination. This is the golden generation. This is triple crowns being won. 
and a sense that the country's in a great place, the Celtic Tigers roaring, rugby's very glamorous, you know, it's in the gossip columns as well as the sports pages. And 07, this is, you know, there's, there's big talk before this tournament and we all know uh, the extent to which it blew up and never really got started. You were one of the Bordeaux four. So you went, yeah. Eddie, Eddie picks you and you don't play a single minute. So I'm presuming, correct me if I'm wrong, for you that's a miserable, frustrating experience. It is, but um, obviously I'm more experienced, more mature. I'm a little bit more relaxed about the whole situation, and I felt that. What age are you in? Um, I'm 33. Okay. Um, so you're, I, you're, to an extent, happy to be going along a little bit. I was never happy to be just uh, kind of a sober, being part of a group. Um, I always wanted to play, but I think at this stage I was confident that. I'll get a chance and I'll create, I'll create the opportunity more than wait for the opportunity. So I felt going to the World Cup, you know, I'd, I'd come back, Joe, the previous year from another significant blow, which was, I had knee reconstruction. Mm. I thought my career was over. Didn't think I'd get another contract. I was in a great position um, on an Ireland list of 30 players who were to be offered national contracts. Um, when that happened, that injury happened in the first round of the European Cup in 05-06 season mm. over in Sale and, and the injury happened, contracts up in the air, careers up in the air. I did get back for the final against in, in 06 for Munster in Cardiff and you know I went and toured then to New Zealand uh, with the Irish team. So I felt I was still working my way back from that injury fitness-wise because the injury is healed but the rest of the body you lose condition and hardness and and a general fitness so I think 07 I worked so hard that pre-season we uh, to we went to Argentina we played two tests I remember we came back from Argentina it was 15 guys left at home who were per the perceived starters and they were the starters for that six nations mm. and I think it was a mistake um, did it create a divide not really because not for me I think some guys felt that look yeah of course these guys are are we 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 not there's 15 places up for grabs for the World Cup essentially squad places yeah yeah uh, squad places and there was 35 of us in, in Argentina yeah. so there was 20 25 guys who depends I think more guys would have came in in the fringes after that tour anyway as well so um, I felt I just I was still working my way back and I felt there's a small opportunity in the next couple of years to get a couple of more caps and and fulfil that that kind of potential that I, I felt I was getting to in 03. So I worked incredibly hard um, and I said to myself that pre-season, this is going to be my best pre-season ever. I'm going to put myself in a position of being so fit, mm. fitter than the 21-year-olds who, who, who were coming into the squad. Um, so I went, we went to Poland and I remember doing, I remember just making, Poland was very difficult because that's where we went for the cryotherapy and we were, you know, it was like, you're locked away out in the middle of nowhere, nothing to do, it's pretty bleak, and you're going into a chamber minus 140 a couple of times a day, and you're absolutely beasted in training. And I felt that this was a great opportunity now for myself to, to finally get, my knee is fine, I've got to a level of fitness now back from the knee, but now I need to bring it to another level if I want to go to the World Cup. And who did I call upon on a Paul? And I had a chat with him about the fitness and he said, I'll do extra fitness sessions with you. So I remember at the end of the end of some of the days, um, 
where we had a lot of work done at that stage, a lot of strength and different rugby stuff was, was added in, mm. doing extra fitness sessions with him. And uh, he was brilliant because he was motivating me. And my endurance would have been always pretty natural, so I could run long distance very naturally with not a lot of training. It was the power stuff, the short blasts. So we did this circuit um, in Poland a couple of times where it was a mixture of lift a weight, run to a next, a next station, have a wrestle for a minute, run on, do a shuttle session, do another weight thing. So there was about 10 or 12 exercises in it and it was continuous for an hour. So you couldn't stop once. So you'd run from each station. Once you started, you never stopped moving for mm. that hour. And he did it with me a couple of times. And um, I remember getting into, you know, being in brilliant shape coming back from there and, and getting to that World Cup and then not really getting an opportunity. I think for the first, for the first game, I think Eddie's hand was changed. His hand changed a little bit with the stuttering performance against Namibia. And then he went again with the same group for, for Georgia to try and get a better performance ahead of the French game and the Argentina game. And it didn't get any better. Mm. And the only chance for our squad players at a World Cup, if you're not a starter, if you're not going to, if there's guys ahead of you and that's the reality, and sometimes that is the reality, um, your only chance is the first couple of games because you're playing the tier two nations to get an involvement in the World yeah. Cup and to rotate a little bit. So I think that changed a little bit after the Namibia performance. And then, you know, for France at that stage, um, he, he, because Georgia nearly beat us, um, you know, it was really disappointing performance. And then he went pretty much similar for France and Argentina. I think that, that after the French game, I got to the point where, look, you know, I think France beat us 23 or something like that. and. Uh, We'd won the first two games. France had beaten us. We had to beat Argentina with a bonus point. And I just thought before that game, it was the last pool game, and I said, I remember saying it to Nyla Donovan, um, suggesting it <laughs> in a polite way, um, that you should put myself, Stephen Ferris, and Neil Best into the back row. Um, we could potentially cost you the game, but we could potentially win you the game as well. And we're busting at the seams here to play a match mm. and actually tear into the, a very physical Argentinian team. And uh, it didn't happen. And then I just had kind of had accepted it. But I probably accepted it before the French game, which wasn't a defeatist attitude. I just said, and I remember working with our, the fitness coach at the time, Mike McGurn, and saying, look, if the playing situation doesn't happen, fine, but I'm going to be in great condition when I come home from this World Cup. So we did so much fix fitness and weights and, uh, and, and training, fitness training away from the, the group environment. Even in the hotel, I would be ringing him and he, you know, he trained a lot himself, doing boxing sessions, weight sessions. And I came back from that World Cup, um, obviously a little bit frustrated, but mm. I was in brilliant physical condition. And, and it told because that year was probably my best year with Munster the whole year, not just in the end. Yeah, well, look, you'd win man of the match in the European Cup final that following summer, so it obviously stood to you. We don't need to relitigate the 07 World Cup. Lord knows that's been done enough. But uh, if you had to, as uh, somebody involved and, and maybe at a, at a distance watching the, the panic unfold, I suspect, uh, what happened? I mean, if you had to kind of pinpoint what went wrong. Yeah, I we, hear, we hear about the hotel and the industrial estate and all that stuff is, that gets pointed to when stuff is going wrong. 
you know, that it wasn't a, a particularly nice setup and, and that got to players. But, you know, from even the warm-up matches, there was something awry. Number one, we probably overtrained a little bit and there was incredible enthusiasm from the players to, because it was a very competitive group. There was probably 45 or 50 guys brought together for the first, I think we were down in Limerick actually, in, U, in the university in Limerick, and that's where it started. And it was whittled down as the, as the weeks and months went on. And we, we went all over Ireland for different camps and we went to, to Poland as well, as I said, with the training camp. And, mm. But I just remember looking back on it at the time that we were putting on the boots a lot. We were four or five days every week, a couple of sessions a day, and it was a, there was a lot of physical contact in it. And even in the, some of the training, when we went to the World Cup and during the World Cup, um, we put a lot of, there was a lot of miles in the clock. And, and where, I, where I felt alarmed by it was, was the, the last World Cup warm-up in Belfast, where Italy nearly beat us. And... Uh, it was a very flat performance. Rog got a try right at the end of the game where I think he knocked the ball on and there was no TMOs back then, but the try was given and we won the game. And I remember thinking to myself, right, that's the win bonus got anyway, at least. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll consider that first of all. I was sitting on the bench. I didn't come off the bench in that game. But I, I was, I think there was a bit of a panic starting to set in there. Mm. And Eddie was obviously, and Nilo were, were looking for some sort of spark that wasn't coming. and. And you always believe, I suppose, you have to believe in your players and the group that, and even if you're a player in that situation, that it will come right. And it yeah. didn't come right and that spark wasn't found. So the hotel wasn't ideal either. You know, we're in an industrial estate and some of the other teams around France were on close to a beach. Um, and it's not about lying out and lounging around the beach. It's just having the ability going for a walk, you know, after training, jumping into the sea. It's a bit more of a relaxed situation where you can get out and about, where we were in an industrial estate. The food was shocking. Um, and that wasn't down to the IRFU or Eddie O'Sullivan um, or the management at the time. I think the original hotel we were supposed to stay in, it was being refurbished and it was in, in Bordeaux in a much nicer area. And there was problems with that construction. Right. So it was a last minute thing where we were put there and we had to kind of accept it. So. Um, it all added to it. And I think the 15 players probably being out of the group as well, um, you know, it probably, even though there was no, like we were hearing all sorts of stories at home, you'd ring home and people were saying, well, Jordan Murphy's walked out and somebody else has walked out. And oh, the, the rumours It was, about it was everyone, unbelievable, yeah. yeah. We were laughing about it in the end because, in fact, it was a very tight-knit group who, yeah. who got on great together. We actually had a great laugh there. And um, I think just... You know, I suppose if Eddie, and he's probably said this, that if you look back, he would have done things a little bit differently. So, sum up the Irish career then. You said a touch of regret about the number of caps, and you've explained that. Um, it strikes me an awful lot of travel, sitting around in hotels, a lot of holding tackle bags, a sense of being so close and yet so far. Yeah. Would you still characterise it as enjoyable? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed so much of it. But I, obviously there was frustrations at times where you're not... The buzz of your name being called out on Monday night or Tuesday morning, being named in the Irish team, um, was incredible. Um, and I always had that disappointment when I was in training camps and I wasn't called out. Rod was probably the one that I, I kind of leaned on at, in those moments. And most of the time, he was the one who came up to me and... Um, 
because it's a selfish sport as well and it's a selfish situation where the guys who are picked there's no room for sentiment it's test match week it's a big game on Saturday and you know so naturally some guys they do forget and they've got to get on to their own job and they just move along and um, the guys who come up and give you a little bit of a nudge mm. going out of the meeting and saying look keep the head up or you know that 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 was nice um, so to sum it up yeah there's a fair bit of regret I feel a little bit embarrassed which is so, probably sounds strange that I can't when people say how many caps you get for Ireland who are not big rugby fans 27 that I'm not saying 50 or 60 and it's of no envy or jealousy to any of the other guys because you know even the the, the guys I was up against who went on and won 50 60 70 caps or more um, they deserve them but I felt that I just like I said through a bit of luck the, t the two injuries were big for me the one in in, um, in 03 at the World Cup and the one in in 07 but I can't hide away from the fact where I came on in a test match in 2002 in New Zealand and um, you know I was on the field for 60 seconds and I went a bit kamikaze into a ruck and I stamped on, on Norm Maxwell the New Zealand second row because he was lying on the ball and I stamped him it was a, a, a rucking motion but I got a yellow card and I'm back sitting on the bench 60 seconds later and, and I got the name Nicholas Cage after that that tour gone in 60 seconds from the movie gone in 60 <laughs> seconds so um, I remember Rog was taken off in that game for for humps and they had a great rivalry Rog and, yeah. and, and David Humphreys and and uh, uh, Rog was taken off and he was fuming which he was every time he was taken off or wasn't started and I remember him just in convulsions of laughing because it was so bad that I just left the bench and I was back there 60 seconds later sitting in the seat close to where the, the subs were sitting and um, so that kind of didn't help me either with Eddie and it probably knocked me back but I always kind of worked my way back into a situation where I either got close to selection or, or um, um, got back into the squad but yeah there's a bit of regret there for sure but I suppose you've got to you got to look at the positives as well and um, um, I was very lucky to play for my country I, I I remember going to the old Lansdowne Road as a kid and with my dad or with my club or and and thinking one day I'd love to run out there and and it happened you know it happened I remember my second cap was at home to my third cap was at home to France, France yeah in 01 and that felt like like I, I, France were the Kings they were the you know the team that were full of extravagance and talents and and flamboyance when I was growing up and, and watching the Six Nations the old Five Nations and here I was standing on the team selected looking up at the seat I used to sit in as a kid so um, there was a lot of special moments there and memories as well so I always say as well that at least I scored a try at the World Cup that it wasn't it could have happened in training and it's happened it's happened lots of guys in training where they've got serious injuries career ending never got the chance loads of my teammates and Munster guys who I'm still very close with who didn't go on to play 200 times for Munster and go on to be starting for Munster all the time they might have got a couple of years out of it being a fringe player so I'm very lucky as well in, in a lot of sense sense of the word.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.